right. How'd the team do? That was good, wasn't it? Amazing worship. Hey, who's excited about a new school year this year? Anybody? Okay. Only the freshmen, right? They're like, we're out of high school. We're so excited. We are in college now. Let's do this. But all the sophomores are like, man, we know it's coming. We got that syllabus already. That paper's already due. I get it. Um, but hey, listen, I like, I like a new season. I'm not going to lie. Fall is actually like my favorite season anyway. But man, it is like a fresh season. All right? Not only a new school year, it's a new football year. And for me, that means a new fantasy football year. And anybody else? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I got my drafts coming up. Uh, we'll talk later. Uh, it's a new day. Like, I don't have to be the terrible football team I was last year. I have a new chance. I've got some guys I'm leaning on, hoping to get in the draft. But it's like, it's new, right? Like, we got new football. We got new seasons. We got school. We got new things. I don't know. You got a new backpack this year? New, uh, no, y'all don't do that. Okay. Used to talking to high schoolers. <laughs> All right. Um, but it is a new year. And I don't know about you, but what I love about a new year too is the chance to kind of start fresh. And that series and like what you just saw, the, the, the graphic, all that that we are in right now is we are in a series called Fresh because I believe we are in a new season. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care how your summer was and what you've been doing. I believe we're in a new season and you're in a new season. And I don't know about you, but anybody else need like a redo every once in a while? Anybody else like needed a do-over? From, from years ago, I don't know, maybe last year, maybe this summer, maybe just from last week, I need some redos, uh, I need a second chance. Um, man, I'll tell you, I've, I've needed some of those, all right? Uh, just a couple years ago, my buddy Jason and I, we took his brand new RV, y'all. It was like this 29-foot nice trailer or whatever, and we were going to go watch some baseball. It was in May, or no, 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 it was in March, that's right, the end of March, because it was training, uh, you know, spring training. We go out to Phoenix, y'all. It was amazing. I don't know if there's any baseball fans, but we went out there. And I don't want to get into the long story of it, but let's just say this, all right? Somewhere on our way back, somewhere in Arizona, y'all, I totaled that thing big time. Like, just totaled it. Like, it was in pieces. It, we just left that thing in the desert. And I was driving. It was totally my fault. And I just, like, looked at my buddy. I'm like, my bad. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, ooh, sorry about your trailer. But luckily, y'all, he's, he's in insurance, so we're good. He's in insurance. I think he got more money uh, than it was worth, so he was good. Uh, but, but that happened. Um, also, our honeymoon. I'm glad you're here, babe. I'm not going to speak about all of it, but guys, we've been happily married for 18 years. Uh, wonderful. But man, it started off rough. Uh, but basically what happened was on our honeymoon, I want to surprise my wife and uh, I got like, I'd saved up all this money. I'm going to take her uh, to the beach. You know what I'm saying? And her dad and her like, hey, do we need it? I'm like, it's a surprise. Just bring a swimsuit. It's going to be awesome. And they're like, well, do we need passports? I'm like, no, uh, it's not that awesome. Um, it's just kind of awesome. And so on our honeymoon, like, I mean, you know, it's the next morning after, after our amazing wedding, and we get to the airport, and wouldn't you know it, if you go to the Bahamas, that's actually another country. Who knew? Who knew that was another country? I mean, it's like 50 miles off the coast of Florida. I thought we were basically in America. We get there, they're like, uh, passports? And I'm like, hmm, your dad was right. And we're only on like day one of our marriage, and I'm having to call her dad to come get us at the airport, pick us up, just the walk of shame back to him, like... You were right, and he had to pick us up, y'all. I wish I could have done that one over. 
And not to mention it was over Christmas break and I like got a sun rash and like took Benadryl and was asleep the whole day on Christmas and you were by yourself. I'm sorry about that one too. We're going we're gonna to take that trip again. I, we need a do-over. All right. And, and there's other do-overs. Like there's other things. I mean, just the other day when I randomly see a lady and I'm just like, hey, when's that baby due? She looks at me and gives me that look. Like what is in me? Like why would I say such a thing? It just comes out and she's like, do what? What baby? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I wasn't talking to you. Oh my gosh, I gotta go. You know, and it's just like, I need that one back. Like that is rough. Y'all, last year, no lie, called my mom. This is when we lived in Houston. So it was two years ago. Called my mom on her birthday and totally didn't know it was her birthday. And I'm just like, hey mom, just checking in. Um, I need you to, I, I had a couple things I needed her to do and send me some mail and like all this stuff. Her birthday, hang up, never said a word. Still to this day, she's like, hey, remember that time? you forgot my birthday? And I'm like, no, I didn't forget. I just had some things on my mind, but totally forgot. Never called her back the rest of the day on her birthday. Found out like a week later. I'm like, oh, that was what was going on. So I don't know. Has anyone ever like, you made a mistake and you're just like, oh, I wish I could get that one back. Is it just me? I'm up here like bearing my soul to y'all and you're like just judging me. I see it in your eyes. You're just judging me. Uh, But for anyone that does need that redo. And I would say even coming into the school year, maybe there is even something more serious. Like, let's be honest. Maybe there is some, some of your past that is coming with you into this season. Uh, maybe it is some guilt and some shame of some decisions that you've made in the past or some things that you've done that you wish so badly didn't happen, didn't go down that way. And so you're walking in these doors and there's just this like, oh, like, I feel like my past follows me. And if that's you, I'm so glad you're here tonight. If you've ever needed just a redo or wanted a clean slate tonight, I want to declare to you as we start off a new school year that in Jesus, the Bible declares us all new. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm just going to jump right in. It says this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is, the old is gone and the new has come. The old habits, the old mistakes, the old you, the old things that you used to do, all that in Christ is gone and we can walk new. And I think some of us in here, if we're to be honest, man, I I think we would honestly say, like, I need to walk in the new. And so I don't know what you're coming in here with. Maybe some of you, you're used to church, you're used to The Bible and like all the things that we talk about, what Jesus has done for us, and even that verse to you is familiar. And you're like, yep, I'm new, I know that. But maybe you're coming in here and you're kind of just curious about this thing. Someone invited you, you got a like a packet of gushers. Apparently, that's what we're doing. Uh, Gushers and cards for the bridge. Anybody get some gushers? Dude, those are the jam. Y'all, y'all know what's up. Y'all know what's up. Those gushers were awesome. I'm like, this is great. Uh, Fruit by the foot. We can do that too. We need, to, we need to add that into the mix. Anyway, I digress. Maybe you're here tonight because you're just curious about this faith thing. You're not used to church. In fact, the last 20 minutes, you're like, what are they doing? What are we doing here? Like people are closing their eyes and raising their hands. And I don't know what's going on. That may be you, and that's great. I'm so glad that you're here tonight because I believe God has a word for all of us, that he wants us to walk into something new. And so if anyone in here needs a fresh start or even just a fresh Start with God. Tonight's the night, and I want to start by telling you a story about two brothers. And it's a story that Jesus told. And again, I've been wrestling with this passage because it's super familiar. 
And so all you that have grown up in church, you have heard this story. Jesus said this story. We like to talk about this story. But the reason is, is it's about these two brothers. And they really represent like kind of two spectrums of people that walk in here. There are some that I just mentioned that are walking in here feeling like, I don't even know how God thinks about me. There's no way he could really love me. I don't feel worthy. I'm not sure. I feel like he's just mostly angry at me. And so you're walking in kind of like, I hope we're cool, God. And then there's another spectrum of you in here, and you wouldn't admit this. It's just by the way that we live, and I kind of lean more this way. I'm coming in going like, I'm doing great. Me and God are good. In fact, I might be one of his favorites. I would never say that. But it's like that religious side of like, man, I don't do what they do. Uh, I haven't done what... And we're coming in. There's this spectrum of people, and this is who Jesus is talking to. Because Jesus, uh, it, he, he is hanging out with sinners and prostitutes and these, and all these religious people are like, what in the world? How do you hang out with those people? How are you with those people? And so Jesus, in response to that, tells a story about... Actually, he tells three stories. All stories about people being lost. The first, if you know... It's a story of a lost sheep, how he leaves the 99, he runs after the one, and it's a story of God's heart for you and I and how he pursues us. And the second one is a woman who loses a coin and just stops everything to find it. And Jesus is explaining the joy of that. And then the third story is a story of two brothers. It's the prodigal son story. How many of you have heard the prodigal son story? You've heard it? Most of you, great. What I hope tonight is that when we dive into this story again, that it hits different. My hope for us, for you and me tonight, is not that we would assent to this knowledge of like, yeah, I know this story, yeah, this is familiar, but really locate yourself on which spectrum do I really land in? Which way do I tend to lean here? Am I more like the younger brother? Am I more like the older brother? All right, cool. It's found in Luke 15, but you don't have to turn there. In fact, I'm not even going to have these verses on the screen. I want to do it the way Jesus did it. In this day, he, uh, he just storied it. They didn't have paper and pen back then much. They had some, um, but they just would speak orally. They would, they would tell these stories, and that's what Jesus did, and I want to model that. So I just want to kind of tell the story, but before I do, let's pray. Uh, I know we pray here a lot, but Lord, we, we come to you over and over uh, recognizing that you're the one that we need to hear from tonight. God, we come here tonight recognizing you're the one that we need to meet with tonight. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to know you, Holy Spirit. And just as we have worshiped you and you've said in your word that you inhabit the praises of your people, God, we know that you're here. And so, God, whatever barrier there is right now from us hearing from you, from us seeing you, um, God, I pray that you would break through that now as we just kind of open our hearts to you and to your word and ask that you would speak. So come now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, so there's these two brothers, okay? There's a younger brother, there's an older brother. We don't know how old or how far apart they are, but one's younger and one's older, all right? And the younger brother, if you remember the story, he goes to the father, and what does he do? He's like, hey, I want my money. That's what he says. Uh, He says, "I, I know there's an inheritance, I know we have a lot of wealth, and I know I get that like when you die, but I'd really like that now. I wanna get out of the household, I wanna get out from under my father, I want my stuff now, and I want to leave. And so, you know, that's not unlike some of us who are 18. I mean, you'd be honest, like, I, I want to get out of my parents' house, right? Anybody else in here that's like, yeah, that sounds great. Freedom is good. And so I want to leave too. I recognize that in the younger brother. Um, he wants to get out. And for whatever reason, he, he wants to leave. And what's crazy about it is, is that the dad is like, okay, sure. 
The dad literally goes along with it and says, all right, and at great cost to him because he can't just divide his wealth. He, it's not like he had like money in the bank and he just split it. Like he had animals, cattle, land. He would have to sell all this stuff to actually give this younger son half. And the father does this. And so the father gives this away, and the younger son, I got to get out of where everyone knows me. I'm going to a far land to live it up. And you know, it is YOLO time. Like, for real, he is just living it. It says, Jesus says, he spent all this money on reckless living. All right, let me, let me translate the Hebrew of that. That is like, he went for it. He is spending money on prostitutes, we find out later. He is clubbing it up, whatever they had back then. I don't, I don't know what clubs they had. Um, but whatever he wanted to buy, he bought. And he was following his heart's desire. He was just like, I am, I'm going for it. And it says that, that he's spending like crazy and he's buying everything and he's just going after whatever his heart desires, YOLO, until he runs out of money. And so we know the story. So he runs out of money, but what happens? Right as he's running out of money, there's this like famine that hits the land. You remember him talking about this? And so right as he runs out of money, now there's no food. And as we know, like with inflation right now, that's a problem. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of gasoline because there's a war in Russia. What happens to the price of gas? When we don't have much, prices skyrocket, right? And so this is what's going on in this town. And so he not only doesn't have money, but now the cost of food is astronomical. There's no food. It is sparse. And so he decides, well, I guess I'll just hire myself out to whoever will take me. And, and Jesus tells a story, and this guy hires himself out to a pig farmer, which to you and I, that's not a big deal, right? But we know in Jewish custom, Jewish law, that's like the worst thing, right? A pig is an unclean animal, and so he rinses himself out, and he is like, he is a slave to this guy, feeding pigs, until one day he's just like, I'm so hungry. Even that is not feeding me. There's not enough food. And he looks at what the pigs are eating, decides like, maybe I'll eat that. And that's that low moment. That's that hit rock bottom moment. I don't know if anybody in here has ever had that moment, where you're like, what am I doing? And it says in verse 17, Luke 15, 17, it says this. Jesus says, and then he came to his senses. It was like this moment where he's like, what in the world is going on? And there's this clarity, first off, that like, like this is crazy. What am I even doing? But then there's the guilt, right? There's the guilt of like, what have I done? And tonight, there's some of us that, if we were to be honest, maybe, maybe we didn't do this exact story, but we could locate ourselves here and say, yeah, there's been times where I've looked at God and I've said, God, I don't actually want anything to do with you. Um, I, I think I got it. I think I want to go my own way. In fact, I think you're kind of leaving all the good stuff to other people. I don't get to do all the fun stuff, and you're kind of old-fashioned and not relevant, and the Bible's not really relevant anymore, and so I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to live my own life and find my own truth, right? Living my truth. And so that's what we do. And then we go off on our own and say, I'm good. I don't need the Father. I'm going to run my own course. And I don't know if that's happened to any of you. But in this story, there's a turning point. The rock bottom moment. The moment where, man, I'm sitting here looking at a pig trough. And so as he comes to his senses, he realizes that he had it way better being near the Father. And the thing that I want you to know tonight, the main idea of tonight's message is this, that to have a fresh start, 
okay? A fresh start starts with a relationship with the Father. And I want to take it even a step further because I forgot to adjust the notes. I kind of changed it earlier, then I didn't tell the the guy in the back at the computer, but it's cool. Y'all got pens. I believe a fresh start starts with returning to the Father. It starts there. That's the moment. The moment that you come to your senses and go like, this isn't life. This, what I've been chasing after, these things that I've been doing is not life. And a fresh start starts with returning to the Father. It's the, the Bible term that we all, some of us who've grown up in church, we've heard is the word repent, repentance. And repentance literally means to change. The literal translation is to change your mind. That's actually what it literally means, to change one's mind, which would then change your course because how you think is how you live. And so what happens here is this kid's like, man, like even my, own, my dad's own hired hands had food. They had everything they needed. And here I am starving. He comes to his senses and he's like, I got to shift. I got to make a change. Or I'm going to die. And some of you in this room, if you were to be honest, you're kind of in this moment where you realize what you've been chasing, what you've been going after is not bringing life. And what you need to do tonight to have a fresh start with God and be new is to change course, to change your mind about what brings satisfaction in life, to change your mind about God, that we think that God is holding something from us and then we realize actually the Father's really good. Actually, the Father knows the best way. And so it is that when we return or we change our mind that we can have a fresh start, but there is a barrier. There's a barrier here because now I got to do the walk of shame back to my dad. It was like me at the airport with my father-in-law. I'm telling y'all, it took every ounce of courage to dial his number and be like, um, you were right. We're supposed to have our passports. I know I'm supposed to be an adult because I'm married to your firstborn daughter, but I don't have it. And I'm worried about that, right? And he was very gracious. Praise Jesus. I'm glad he was a Christian. Uh, yeah, whew, that could have been bad. And there's the same barrier here. So now I want to pick up the story. If you've got a Bible, turn to Luke 15. And I want to pick up the story in verse 18. Because here's what's going on. The barrier is this. He realizes he's made a mistake. He realizes he's screwed up. And there's some of you in here, I don't have to convince you that you've screwed up, that you've made bad choices. Like, you know it. That's how this lost, like, he knows it. But the problem is, once you know it, it's like, well, then how do I, how do I get back into favor with God? How do I write this course? Isn't God mad and angry and disappointed? And that's just what the son is thinking. And so if we look at it in verse 18, he's doing the same thing. Verse 18, he says this, I will arise, I'm going to go to my father, and then I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. I mean, I, I, I get what this guy's doing. Like, when Rachel's dad comes to the airport, I am like literally rehearsing what I'm going to say to him. Well, see, what happened was um, a travel agent told me I didn't need to have it, and then I did. You know, I have you ever had that, like the, you messed up and the walk of shame, like trying to like rehearse, like what am I going to say to this person when I see them face to face? That's what this son's doing. He's like, how am I going to, how am I going to go to my dad? And he's like, I know my dad's going to be angry. I know my dad's going to be disappointed in me, upset. And so I'll just like try to win him over and maybe he'll just hire me so that I can eat. This is the desperation of the younger brother. And so he's trying to figure it out. 
he's saying, I know there's a barrier, it's anger, it's disappointment, so i got to earn my way back, and I'm just going to try to say the right thing so that the Father will bring me back, because surely he can't. Some of y'all know this story, and you know the Father's response. But I want to read it closely, because I don't think we always get all the details. If you've got a Bible, follow along, verses 20 through 24. So he makes this idea, I'm going to no longer be called worthy to be your son. Please give me as a hired servant, verse 20. So he returns home to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Has the son said anything yet? No, he hadn't even gotten to the line, right? Like he's got the line, he's got it figured out, he's going to give the dad the line and like just let me, and the, the father sees him because the father was looking for him. You see, this is not the father's response. What he thought the father would respond is not how he responded. This father was looking for his son. He was watching. That's why he knew from a long way off. He saw him and knew it was him. And before the younger son could even give him the, the whole spiel, the father kisses him and loves him And Jesus wants us to all see the heart of the Father here for the lost. For any of us who've screwed up, who've made mistakes, this is the heart of God. And it says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And then his son stops him, like, stop embracing and kissing me. Let me me do my line that I've been working on, right? And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to who? The servant. He doesn't even answer him. The kids comment to him. He's like, dad, uh, here's my line. I'm going to give it to you. Like, will you, will you have me back? And, and, and the father doesn't even reply to that. He's just like, hey, let's throw a party. He gets the servants. He's going to robe him. He's going to put the ring on him. We're killing the calf and we are going to have a party. There's none of this negotiation with God because the whole time the father just wanted the son. The father didn't need the son to come back and earn his way back in. He's a son. He just wanted his presence. He just wanted the son to want him. The error of both sons really at the core is that I have no need for the father. And at the core of you and I, when we rebel, when we go our separate ways, that we don't really need him. Like, I got this. And we see it a couple different ways. But this is the heart of our father. He is for you. And I think we think, um, and and, and I'll just say it this way. Here's here's how this works. Satan, who is the father of lies and speaks to us lies, usually good truths that he just kind of tilts a little bit and twists a little bit. Um, By the way, he is the father of lies and he is the accuser. So if any of you in here are feeling accused before God right now, that's actually not God. That is the enemy wanting you to feel like God wants nothing to do with you. He would never accept you. That's what Satan does. He is the accuser. And so Satan, what he likes to do is he starts with what you did and he tells you who you are. That's how Satan works. He starts with something you did and tells you who you are. But here's the reality. Failure, when we mess up mistakes, failure is not a person. Failure is an event. The reason we are so excited about a fresh hope, a fresh start, is that because I made a mistake, that doesn't brand me as something for the rest of my life. In Jesus, there's hope for us to be different. So failure, yeah, that happens, and man, it costs, and man, it hurts. Don't make light of that. 
But failure is an event. That failure is not a person. And so God, when he sees you and he calls you, he wants to call you by name. So Satan starts with what you did, tears down who you are, but the Holy Spirit starts with what Christ has done and lifts you up and builds you up. And it's why that verse says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone. What Jesus has done changes everything. And sometimes we have two different views of God, that he is disappointed in me, that he is this angry God up in heaven waiting to zap me if I just don't do the right thing or if I don't do enough right things. And what we see here is it's not him. Can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Can we grieve God? Yes. But let me, let me help you with something. God is not disappointed in you when you screw up. Let me explain that. The reason is, is because Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love that while you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. That means he's not disappointed in you for screwing up because he already knows about it. You can't be disappointed in something that you're already aware of. I think what we have, and I know some of y'all have been in English class this week, so you, you understand prepositions. But let me make this distinction. Because the way I see it in scripture is this, that God is not, and the father here is not disappointed in his younger son. He is disappointed for his younger son. Does that make sense? He is disappointed for him. He had so much for him, so much life to give him, so many things he could have protected him from making these mistakes, but the son chose differently. God is not going to force himself on any of us. And so, yes, does he get disappointed for us? Yes, does it grieve him when we make these choices that hurt us? Yes, because ultimately it's because he loves you and I. But in Christ, we get a fresh start. So 2 Corinthians 5, 15, it says this. The love of Christ compels me. And we believe that Christ has died for all. And we also believe that we have all died to our old life. For he died for everyone so that those who would receive new life would no longer live for themselves, but instead they would live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we too have stopped evaluating other people from a human point of view, even though at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. He is king, all hail the king. He is Lord. He is the lamb that was slain. He's the one that took our place. This is what he's getting at. In verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who is in Christ, has become a new person. The old is gone, and a new life has begun. And this is a gift. This is a gift. This is not earned. This is not deserved. This is God's love, saying that God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have life. Now I've gone from the most, like, familiar uh, story of Jesus to the most familiar verse in the Bible. We're doing familiar tonight, guys. Y'all know these verses. But do you know verse 17 of that? We don't always quote it. John 3, 17, it says this, for he came in the world not to condemn the world, but to rescue the world. Jesus, Jesus is coming back one day and he is coming to judge. He is coming to bring judgment. But the first time he came, this time he has come to rescue any who would have, any who that would recognize and have come to their end and said, I need God, get God. That's why it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt, who know they got nothing to give God, 
Blessed are they because those who know they need God get God. That's the gospel. So the good news of Jesus is this, that in him, there is nothing that you have done that would make God love you less. Jesus died for your present sins, your past sins, your future sins. Jesus paid it, and it's, it, it's a full payment. It happened long before you were even born. And so the gospel would say that there's nothing that you have done that would disqualify you or make it to where you can't be loved by him. There's nothing that you have done that would make God love you less. But there's a second part of this. There's also nothing you can do to make him love you more. And you know this, but, but, but I think even though we know this truth, we try to add. Yeah, I know that it's only through Jesus that I'm saved, but God, if I do this and this and this, maybe you'll really bless me. Let me add to the work of Jesus. No, the gospel says we rest, stand secure, and it leads me to the second son, and we're going to go quick. But there's the other spectrum. Starting in verse 25, it says this. Meanwhile, there was an older son who was in the field working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Verse 27, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating for his safe return. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slayed for you, never once refused to do a single thing that you've told me to do, Father. And all that time, you've never even given me one goat of a feast for my friends. Yet with this son of yours, when he comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Verse 31, and his father replied, look, dear son, You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. You see, the second brother also wasn't necessarily interested in the father. We could tell by his response and by his anger that he definitely expected and felt entitled to something from the father, But he didn't want relationship with the father either. He refuses to go into the party. He is interested in being right. He is interested in what he deserves, his wages, how he has worked, what he has done. And so he has a huge barrier, and it's the other side of the spectrum. It's the barrier of pride that keeps us from the father. It's a different version of pride. One side of pride says, I'll be my own God. I'll do my own thing. The other side says, I'm good enough. I can make it. I could pull myself up with my own bootstraps and do my own thing. And his two statements just locate him. I am not like your other son. I should get something better because I'm not as bad as him. Don't you see it? And if I'm going to be honest, that's where I land sometimes. If I'm going to be brutally honest, I'm probably more on this spectrum of like, well, I think me and God are good because at least I'm not that. Like my sin's not as bad as someone else's sin. Like, I got it made, and, 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 and they don't. And the Lord has been breaking me over this, because I am in desperate need of the Father, just like this older son. We get so focused on morality, on the things that we do or don't, but you know what the greatest commandment is? Anybody in here? 
What's the greatest command? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all of your hearts. The question tonight for the older brothers in here is this. When was the last time you confessed the fact that you don't love him? Because that's the greatest commandment. It's not, do I not sleep with someone or do I sleep with someone or do I not look at this or that or I don't put someone down or I don't do this. It's like, does your heart love Jesus? And when was the last time we confessed to him, like, I'm breaking the greatest commandment because I love a lot of other things than you. You see, the son, the second son missed it too. He was so busy doing everything for the father, trying to validate himself when he already had everything he needed. That's what the father said. Everything I had was yours, man. Like, we have this. Jesus says in John 5, 39 to the older brothers, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the way to a fresh start for the older brother is the same. It starts with returning to the father. And some of you are so busy doing for God, but if you were to be honest, your intimacy, your love for God is not there. And what God wants right here as the father of both sons is just a relationship with his kids. And what God wants tonight and why you're here is for me to help remind you through the help of the spirit that God wants you to be his kid. He wants you to be near him. He wants your heart. All the morality, all the behavior stuff's later. Right now, all he wants for you is to pursue him, run to him, know him, return to him, change course, fall in love with the father. I'll close with this quote from Tim Keller. He says this, it's actually on a book on marriage, but I love this. He says, the gospel is this. And this is what nails both of the sons, both spectrums. He says, the gospel is simultaneously these two truths. Number one, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we dare believe. Now, hang on, older brother, think about that. You actually are more sinful than you dare believe. You actually are broken, and we are broken without Jesus. We do not desire the things of God. After Adam came, sin entered the world, and I don't naturally desire these things. I naturally desire to worship other things, to worship myself, to pursue pleasure. Like, you are flawed. And we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we dared believe, yet at the very same time, you are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hope. It is both, always. We're more broken than we think we are. And we're more loved than we think we are. And so tonight, it's really simple. As the band comes up, I just want to ask you a question. If a fresh start for us starts with just returning back to the Father, what is the barrier for you right now that keeps you from the Lord, if you were to be honest? What version of this? Are you more like the younger son living your truth, pursuing your freedom, doing your thing? What's it going to take for you to come to your senses and see that God's better than the things we could pursue? Maybe you're here tonight and you want to pursue God, you want to know him, but you would be, if you were honest, you feel like God doesn't want anything to do with you. You feel the guilt and the shame. I want to tell you tonight, that is not true. Yes, there's guilt, but Jesus 
paid for that. Yes, your sin costs, but for us, it is free that we could be forgiven in Christ and made new. We can start over. But maybe you're like the older son, believing in your head that Jesus is your savior, but functionally being your own savior. What will it take for you to rest in what he's done and what you already have? To release your pride and your desire to earn or validate yourself before him? Can we all return to a loving father and desire him? And just at a really practical level as the band sings, if you were to be honest tonight and you're like, I'm going to be honest. I don't desire God. Like, I'm glad to be here tonight. It's good. I don't wake up in the morning just being like, man, can't get more of God. I'm with you sometimes, y'all. I don't wake up every day going, just, just can't wait to get in the Bible. Can't wait to know God. There are days that I, I feel stirred and I feel thirsty for him. But there's a lot of days that I don't. You know what I do in a really practical way? I just ask him to give me a thirst for him. Sometimes my most honest prayer is, God, I want to want you. Will you do something with that? Because I know in my head that you're the best, but my desires lead me astray. God, would you do something in me that I would desire you with all my heart because I want a fresh start, and that starts with being near you, a real relationship to the Father.